0: Thanks for tuning in to the Sojourn Church Podcast. We are a church committed to the gospel in the context of family, living on mission to the city of Portland and our world. For more information, visit our website, sojournpdx.org. Church, let me go ahead and pray for us as we get started. Heavenly Father, the last thing that we need this morning is to hear from me. We need your Holy Spirit to show up in our kitchen tables, and our dining rooms, at the Organ Stamp Society, and we need your Spirit to speak to us. It's in your name, by your power we pray. Amen. Well, good morning and happy Easter sojourn, church. I want to invite you to go ahead and open your Bible, if you have it with you, or the app on your phone, to the book of Romans, chapter 10. If you don't own a Bible and you're with us in person, we'd love to give you one as our gift. Or if you're with us online, if you look on the chat, you'll see a link that'll take you either to our digital handout or to the book of Romans. Uh, if you're new to the Bible, the Bible's divided into the Old Testament and the New Testament. You want to find the New Testament, and the sixth book in is Romans, and we'll be in chapter 10. My name is Matt Boyd, and I'm the lead pastor here at Sojourn Church, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to join us to celebrate Easter, the day that literally changed human history for the rest of the world. Amen, church? Scripture tells us that for our sake, he made him who knew no sin, talking about Jesus, to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so church, that is what we are celebrating this morning. Jesus, who knew no sin, he came and lived the life that none of us could live. God's word, it goes on to tell us that Jesus, who knew no sin, he actually died in our place. The death that you deserve to die, the death that I deserve to die. He went to the cross and he paid the penalty for sin once and for all. Why did he do that? So that we, you and I, could become the righteousness of God through him, through his atoning sacrifice. In other words, that we could become holy and blameless through him in the sight of God. So now at the side of the cross, at the site of the cross, when God looks at us, what does He see instead? He sees Christ Jesus. He no longer sees our sin. He now sees the blood of Jesus. Church. That is the gospel message. But I want us to think about something this morning. We're not here just to celebrate that truth and that reality. We are not here just to celebrate the truth and the reality that Jesus died on a Roman cross. We're not here just to celebrate the truth and the reality that Jesus not only died, but they actually put him into a grave. But we are here to celebrate the truth and the reality that three days later, Jesus got up and walked out of that grave, conquering sin and death itself. That is why we are here this morning. So here's what we're going to talk about. I don't want us just to come here to celebrate the truth of the resurrection, which we try to do week in and week out. But I want us to answer a question this morning regardless if you're coming in to this morning with a decade of experience in the church or if this is your first Sunday ever in a church or maybe you've been out of church for a long time, it doesn't matter. I want every single one of us to inspect our hearts and our minds this morning and to ask ourselves if this is true, that Jesus actually got up and walked out of the grave and rose from the dead, then it seems to me the truth requires far more from us than just a celebration. And so my main question this morning, is how is it that we are to respond to the truth of the resurrection? How do we as people not only celebrate this truth, but how are we to actually respond to this truth? So let's read this together. Romans chapter 10, we'll be looking at just two verses, verses 9 and 10. And what we're going to see here is we're jumping into the middle of the book of Romans. Paul is speaking to the church and he makes a statement of how it is that we are to respond to the truth of the resurrection. So go ahead and listen or follow along Romans 10 verses 9 and 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Here's the thing this morning. Here's what Paul just said that how we are to respond to the reality of the resurrection. So here's what it is. Listen in carefully. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is not only a doctrine to be believed, I know a lot of people have right beliefs, they have the right knowledge, but it is a reality that is to be lived out in our lives. Let me say that again. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just a doctrine to be believed, but it is a reality that is to be lived out in our lives. And that's what scripture says. This is a very critical component in how we are to respond to the greatest truth in all of history, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here's why. You can absolutely believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but never let the reality of that resurrection be displayed in your life. So what this passage is saying is that one of the evidences of your salvation and that Christ is actually changing you isn't simply that you believe this truth and that you can say, sure, I believe this, but that you actually confess it with your mouth, but then you also live it out with your life. And so if you've been in church for some time, you may be even asking yourself, how is it possible not to confess this, right? This is one of the core components and really an essential doctrine of the Christian faith. And I would say, yes, absolutely. But it's one thing to confess Jesus Christ as Lord with our mouths when you don't, I'm sorry, it's one thing to confess Christ as Lord, not to confess Christ as Lord when you don't believe in the resurrection. And so my prayer, because we've been praying for some of you, is that this morning you're tuning in or you're with us in person that you don't actually believe this. And if you don't believe the resurrection makes sense at all in the world, then it makes sense that you wouldn't confess it. And so let me say that you are welcome here. We're so glad that you're here. But for the rest of you who would say, no, I believe in this. I would confess this with my mouth. It is possible to believe in your heart the reality of the resurrection and not confess it with your mouth and your life. I believe that's very possible. That's one of the dangers of oftentimes growing up in church and that you'll easily confess this, but then you're not actually living it out. And you don't actually believe it in your heart. And so I want us to look at a story that the eyewitnesses, some of the very few eyewitnesses, in fact, of Jesus' resurrection. Now, these guys, what we're going to learn is they believed in the resurrection in their hearts, but because of their fear, they would not let it be known, and they refused to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And because they refused to confess Jesus Christ as Lord, they missed out on Jesus as their Savior. And so if, you don't have to turn there with me necessarily, but I'm going to be looking at Matthew chapter 27. I'm going to look at verses 57 through 66. It says, When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a groat Great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that impostor said while he was still alive. After three days, I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people, He has risen from the dead and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers, go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by stealing the stone and setting a guard. So here we have the chief priests, we have the Pharisees, and they remember that Jesus had said that three days later, yes, I'm going to go on the cross, I'm going to go into the grave, but three days later, I'm going to get up and get out of the, cross, uh, get out of the ground. And so Pilate wanted to ensure that Jesus' close followers, his disciples, didn't go and somehow move the stone away and try to make it look like he'd actually come back to life, so that's kind of the, the situation. That's the context that we have going on here. Now I'm going to look at Matthew 28, starting verse two. It says, "And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it." And so what we see in this story here is that these men were actually eyewitnesses. They got to see things with their own eyes and experience the resurrection. Now I can imagine that the Roman guards were probably wondering, "Why in the world are we guarding the tomb?" of a dead guy. I mean, he's dead. There's no way that he's going to get up and walk out of here. And suddenly, there was an earthquake. Now, I can remember around the age of 12 experiencing my first earthquake. Now, a lot of uh, org- people in Portland are from California, so I know you grew up with earthquakes. It's not a big deal. But growing up where I grew up, we didn't have earthquakes. Not very often anyway. So I was about 12 years old. Right around the age, my parents started leaving me on my own in the evenings if they wanted to go out. And I still vaguely remember I was sitting in a recliner half asleep watching a movie and suddenly the whole house is shaking, the recliner shaking, I jump up, I think a plane has crashed and it's about to come through my house, and then I learned that it was actually an earthquake. Now if you have experienced an earthquake or even if you did grow up where they're normal, you probably remember your first one. They can be pretty scary. An earthquake will wake you up and it'll get your attention. And so this is what's happening here with the Roman soldiers. The second part of verse two, it says, an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. So it says that the the Romans looked up, the Roman soldiers, they looked up and they see an angel of the Lord. Verse three says, his clothes were as white as snow. So the soldiers look up, the stone has been rolled away. There's an angel sitting up on top of the tomb who's appearing like lightning. It's got very bright white clothing And in case that didn't get their attention, it says, and for fear, verse four, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. (laughs) So we see the guards get afraid. I mean, imagine this earthquake happens. Everything's rumbling, shaking. You look up, the stone is gone. There's an angel on top. That's the brightest image you've ever seen. And so they fear would tremble and then pretend that they're dead. Like, okay, I don't want to be messed with. And then verses five and six, Matthew 28 says, but the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, because remember the context, the the women had gone to the tomb. They weren't expecting to find an empty tomb. They were going to to, um, see Jesus' body. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. And so they go and they look in the tomb, and Jesus is gone. Now, if anybody believed in the resurrection and the history of the world, it was these men. These were the few who actually witnessed that happening, who, who heard the earth rumble and saw the stone rolled away and saw the angels sitting on the top. So, if there's anyone who should believe it, is these men. These men were the few who actually saw the resurrection with their own eyes. And so, how would you expect them to respond to Jesus' resurrection? I mean, they saw proof beyond a shadow of a doubt. They saw proof that you and I will never have a chance to see. They saw proof that Jesus did exactly what Jesus said he was going to do. I mean, seriously, how would you expect them to respond? You would expect them to run through the streets screaming, He is alive! He's no longer dead. The grave is empty. He, he's alive. There was, there was a guy, he was dead, and, and now he's alive. There was an earthquake and an angel, and I can imagine them just kind of fumbling their words. I think about my my children, when they're excited about something, they come running in the house, and, Dad, guess what? And it's just like, whoa, slow down. I can't understand you. That's what I would expect for these Roman soldiers, for them to be stopping everyone in the street and to be telling them, to be if it's still night, to be waking the people up and to be fumbling over the words. If you're like, wait, wait, slow down. I can't understand you at what they just had witnessed and experienced because he is alive. That's how you would expect them to respond. But here's the thing. They actually do go tell somebody. They go and they tell the high priest. And this is one of the saddest portions of the entire New Testament, in my opinion. Matthew 28, I'm gonna jump down to verse 11 through 15. So they've experienced the resurrection. They've seen the empty tomb. They've seen the angel. Here's what it says. While they were going, behold, some of the guards went into the city and told the chief priest all that. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. So we see the Roman soldiers run and tell the high priest what took place. And then they were offered an amount of money that they accepted. And so we see these men, they believed in the resurrection. They actually experienced it. They saw it happen. But because they were afraid of what they would lose, they would not confess it with their lives. This is sad because scripture is clear that you must confess Jesus Christ with your mouth and live it. Otherwise, you'll miss out on salvation. And for these Roman soldiers, they decided that it was just too risky. They had too much other stuff that they didn't want to give up, the things they didn't want to lose, and so they accepted a sum of money in exchange for salvation for all of eternity. And here's the thing on this Easter Sunday morning that I want you to hear. You need to know that it is very possible to attend a gathering like this and believe the doctrine of the revelation, but for fear that you will lose out on something in this life, you never display that reality with your mouth or never live out that reality with your life. It is completely possible to do that. And so I want to ask you two questions this morning. And as you hear these two questions, I want to, I want you to evaluate your own heart. Don't worry about the person sitting next to you. Don't worry about your family. Don't worry about your friends. Just, I want you to evaluate your own heart this morning. And so the first question is, do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? I'm not talking about us as a church or, or your family or how you grew up, but do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your heart? Church, I'm telling you that I do with all of my heart. I don't always live that out the way that I should. I know I don't live that out perfectly, but I'm telling you, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ with everything in my being. Now, just a little bit later in the same chapter in the book of Matthew, we find known as the Great Commission. This is a passage that has shaped my life for many, many years. And this is where Jesus gives his final earthly instruction to his followers to go. He says to go and make disciples of all nations. And so the Great Commission is proof that the resurrection actually occurred. Here's why why I say that. You don't leave everything behind for a guy who said he was going to rise from the grave, but who actually didn't do it. You don't suffer and lose everything for a guy who claimed something that didn't happen. You just don't do that. 11 of the 12 of Jesus' closest followers, you want to know what happened to them? You want to know how their lives ended? They all died horrible deaths because they would not deny the resurrection. We see Peter was crucified upside down on a cross. We see that James was beheaded. We see that Andrew was crucified. Okay, who's ready to follow a guy who claimed something that didn't actually happen? You would not do that. And so we see that this great truth in the fulfillment of the resurrection. I mean, who in their right mind would be willing to lose everything in this life and to this brutal death for something that's completely made up? You just wouldn't do it. Sure, you might be able to convince a person or two, but you wouldn't do that. I mean, we have brothers and sisters all over the globe who are to this day being persecuted for this very message, who, who will be beaten for this very message. I remember we were working in South Asia and the pastors would come to me and say, what do we do when they threaten to cut our heads off? And I thought, well, man, they didn't teach me that one in seminary. I'm, I'm not so sure what to tell these people. And this is the same reason that you and I are here 2000 years later celebrating this same truth on Easter Sunday in the year 2021. It just wouldn't last that long if it weren't true. There's no way that you can make up a story that would just continue on for all of these thousands of years. And so I wanna ask you again, do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Let's get to the bottom of that this morning, this Easter Sunday. Let's not go another year with not getting to the bottom of that in your own heart. Do you believe this with all of your heart? I know that I do. And if that's true, second question. If you are, if you say, yes, I do, and you are what we call a believer, I'd say believer in light of that truth, how are you going to respond to the truth of the resurrection? Remember at the beginning, I said, I don't want us just to come in here and just to celebrate this truth, but I want us to answer a question in our own hearts and minds that if this is true, if Jesus got up and walked out of the grave and conquered sin and and death itself, then it seems that truth requires more than just a celebration. So we see two groups of men this morning. We see that, and we see two very different responses from these two groups of men. We see one group of men who actually experienced the resurrection, saw it with their own eyes, but they weren't willing to confess it because they didn't want to lose everything that this life had to offer. And we still see many, many in that category today. And then we see a second group of men, the disciples who walked closest with Jesus, who walked away from everything, who gave up everything, who ended up dying horrible deaths in order to reclaim this truth. And so I want to say that this morning, these are the two responses in front of every single one of us. Which one is an accurate picture of your response and faith? Andre and I had a, a couple, a married couple, mentor us before we moved to South Asia. And this couple walked away from everything in order to proclaim this truth. Kurt was working in the uh, corporate world. He was climbing the ladder. He had gotten to the top of the ladder. He held high positions at a global accounting firm. He, he was uh, working for a major Wall Street brokerage house. And he was working for one of the, world, the world's largest private software companies. By the world's standards, Kurt and his family had everything. Everything. But in 2006, they left everything and they left it all behind. At the time, he was a high, um, high up as an IT director at a software company. And he moved his family to a radical Muslim context in Southeast Asia to work as a community developer and a church planner. And I think, why would he do that? Why would Kurt leave everything he had, and and in some ways endanger his family. Why would he do that? Why would he walk away from a lucrative job and a career? Why would he do that? Why in the world would he walk away from it all? And here's the truth, and scripture tells us this. If the resurrection never happened, if this is a made-up story, then these people are fools to be pitied above all men. But if the resurrection were true, and I want to say that it is, amen, if the resurrection were, is true, then if Jesus Christ really died and walked out of the grave, then we are giving up what we cannot keep in order to gain what we cannot lose. Church, let me say that again. We are giving up what we cannot keep to gain what we cannot lose. And So how will you respond this morning? How will you respond this Easter morning? Will you declare as Jesus' early followers did that God, I'm not just going to believe this truth. I'm going to confess it with my mouth and my life. How will you respond this morning to the greatest truth in all of history? And so I want to address two groups as we wrap up this morning. First, I want to invite you, if you've never believed this message, if you walked into this gathering or signed into this gathering this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you, if you've never believed and confessed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to do so. If you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you to respond this morning, you can simply pray this prayer. Lord, I am a sinner. I have fallen short of your glory and I want to trust in your death and your resurrection to receive the righteousness of God. And just pray that prayer right where you are this morning. And if that's you, in a, in a few moments, we'll have a way for you to follow up with us. We don't want you to, to follow through with this and then just be kind of lost in the wayside. And the second group of those you'd like to address, those of you who, would, who came in this morning and said, I am a believer, I want to come and just celebrate Easter with my, with my church family or with some other believers We also don't want you to leave this morning without answering this question. How am I going to respond to the resurrection? Am I simply going to believe it or am I actually going to display it with my life? And so I invite you this morning to take a moment to ask the Holy Spirit what it will look like to do this in your life. And as we sing this final song this morning, let us sing it as people who want to display the greatest truth in history of Jesus Christ. And so let me pray for you, church, and then we'll respond in worship. God, I want to thank you for coming and living the life that none of us could live. God, I think about this Friday that we looked at just a couple days ago in our Good Friday service and just reflecting on you taking on all the guilt and sin and shame. God, that thing that whatever it is that we each struggle with, God, you nailed it to the cross and you've declared that it is finished. God, you went into the grave and I think about yesterday on Saturday, it's that that day of questioning. I can imagine your early followers being confused and thinking, man, what happened? I thought he was coming to establish a kingdom and now he's dead, kind of forgetting everything that you had taught them just as we do. But then God, when Sunday rolls around, that you stood up and you walked out of that grave conquering sin and death and the grave itself. And so God, we want to thank you. We want to praise you. And we want to praise you this morning with our lives. God, we don't want to just confess this truth with our mouths, but we actually want to live it out. God, I pray for anyone this morning who doesn't know you, who tuned in or who is with us at the Oregon Stamp Society. God, I pray that you are convicting them and working on their hearts. And God, that your arms are open wide to them and saying, come as you are. It is finished because you have done the work that they could never do. And God, for those of us who already know you, already love you, God, that we would be reminded that we're not just confess this message with our mouth, we're actually to live this out in our daily lives. It's in your name, by your power we pray, Jesus. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. You can connect with us and find more available teachings and resources at our website, sojournpdx.org.